Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I can tell you, we've got the velvet voice. We've got Mr. Manchester City on the line right now. Andy Buckley, good evening. Welcome. Good evening. How are you? Good. You're a four-minute miler? Sub-four-minute miler? Uh, well... Give me six minutes. I'm I'm there. I'm your man. <laughs> six minutes for the mile. That's pretty solid. <laughs> well, yeah, in the car. <laughs> uh, Andy Everton have named a new manager, and Burnley fans. Well, I, I'd imagine they'll be yeah, they'll probably be indifferent in regards to Sean Dyche's promotion. Yeah, it's a question of staying up, I think. Uh, although I did read somewhere saying, well, why don't we go down for a season and, uh, you know, just uh, suffer our punishment for all the uh, misfortune we've had and bad leadership management uh, at board level and uh, and come back stronger. Uh, but I don't think for one moment they want to go down. Uh, obviously, there's a financial uh, risk as well. And there's also a great risk you might never come back up again. So... Uh, yeah, Sean Dyche, I think he's probably the best appointment, I would have thought, in the circumstances and with what's out there and what Everton can really realistically achieve in terms of their uh, status at the moment. So, he got a chance of keeping them up. Um, better than I, I would have thought than Bielsa. Uh, I'm not sure about Bielsa, a bit of a maverick, really, and I'm not sure whether Everton's style would uh, be the players that they've got would be suited to the way that he plays football. So... Uh, I think they've got a decent chance of staying up, actually, with uh, Sean Dash in, start, in charge. Mm. Yeah, what sort of coaching style does Sean Dyche bring? And I'd imagine it would probably be hard, wouldn't it, not knowing whether they're going to stay in the English Premier League to probably attract a genuine, world-class, innovative young coach. Um, because, let's be honest, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And coaches themselves have to also... Uh, have to orchestrate their pathway very carefully as well. Indeed. Uh, I mean, he's got this reputation for what he did at Burnley, where obviously he managed on limited funds. So we can only really judge him on that over a period of time as well, a great period of time. Um, still quite, quite a few games left for Everton, and you'd have thought that they've got more quality in their squad than they've shown this season. People like James Tarkovsky was with him at Burnley. Uh, he's a decent defender. He's played for England. Um, so it's up to him, really, to get that uh, that organisation. Um, and it, I don't think it's going to be pretty, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be very much sort of a bit of a dogs of war type uh, approach that Joe Royal used to adopt for Everton many decades ago now. Uh, it, 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 but it, it needs must. And, it, 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 you know, it's... it's uh, the priority is to stay up. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a decent appointment um, and I don't think the Everton fans really will have too much to moan about. You know, the days of getting Ancelotti and, and the, the glamour names are, are, are gone for the moment because uh, they're a team really, in, well, they're very much in crisis.
Yeah, but but do they recognise that this is not just a coaching issue, that there is something wrong with the infrastructure that, um, I'm not sure, that, you know, a, a fish rots from the head down? Yeah, no, I think there is an acceptance, that, which is why there's been this process against the board. Uh, they need a new regime, um, and it's just not worked out uh, for Everton at all. It's just it, uh, over many years, so it, it's, it's not really... Uh, a problem of, of Frank Lampard as much as anything. I'm not sure about Frank Lampard's managerial pedigree because uh, he's not covered in himself in glory in his sort of fledgling management career. But yeah, the, the problems run deep at Everton. The fans know that. Uh, and it, it still doesn't get away from the problem that they want um, uh, a change of, of board. It's, it's a bit of a, a tricky one, really, because if you use the Manchester United comparison, they're doing well under Eric Ten Hag, and uh, suddenly the the fans have gone a little bit quiet on the "We want the Glazers out" front, and yet that's been their kind of long-running campaign to get rid of the the owners. They still want to change the ownership, but uh, suddenly when you get a bit of success, <laughs> and that's what the owners want at any football club, don't they? A bit of success, and then suddenly uh, the pressure's off them, and the spotlight's on on the field rather than on the dugout and on the boardroom. Mm. Um, Andy, let's talk about the FA Cup. Look, it was a couple of weeks ago I spoke and Liverpool were playing Brighton in the English Premier League. I sort of felt that Liverpool might lose that. You're a little bit more optimistic. They ended up losing to Brighton, getting thrashed basically 3-0 or 3-1. They've just been knocked out of the FA Cup by Brighton again by two goals to one. Their season is well and truly in crisis. What's the general discussion in and around Liverpool Football Club and the uh, path they need to go down. Are, pe- are, are people patient here? Are, are they prepared to give Jurgen Klopp time? Are, are people calling for his head? No, no, I don't think so. I think uh, he's got enough credit in the bank to uh, earn another season, really, at least. Um, and I think they've, they've more or less written off this season, the Liverpool fans, I think, in terms of, uh, yeah, all right, they're playing Real Madrid in the Champions League, so there's still that kind of... Uh, uh, carrot in front of them uh, but uh, yeah in terms of their ability to, to win it I would have thought that even I'm coming around to the way of thinking now that uh, I've been trying to support Liverpool because obviously you accuse me of Manchester City bias which is understandable quite correct but I'm thinking well Liverpool have got to come good and, and they haven't come good and I watched uh, the end of the game at Brighton on Sunday in the FA Cup and uh, it was quite ridiculous really the way that Liverpool were just sort of completely lost the, the plot. Fabinho lost the plot, should have been sent off. I mean, there was absolute uproar. The fact that he ne- that the, the VAR uh, never intervened and said, hang on a minute, that yellow card for one of his challenges should be a red card. Oh, unbelievable. Even his body language suggested as though I should need to be sent off for that challenge. But going back to your point about Liverpool and the way that they've imploded, uh, I think that he's, he's made a mistake plot, uh, plot because he's you know, he's persevered with players that really have, have been found wanting. Fabinho, one of them, hasn't hasn't done it. Um, Henderson, um, Milner, sort of steady Eddie still. You can't really expect that much from Henderson, uh, from Milner, bearing in mind his age. Uh, and, and, and he's bought strikers, really, to try and replace Mane, because uh, he's got Nunez and he's got uh, Gakpo, hasn't he? But they, they've not clicked. So the problem, the, the focus, the spotlight has been on the midfield, which has always been inadequate. 
injury problems. Cater's not reliable. Um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, it's just not not happened for them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Liverpool, I think, have just got to dismiss this season and think, well, let's come back next season. Andy, I was just saying prior to you dropping out, just trying to draw some comparisons, say, between Jurgen Klopp and maybe Sir Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson just seemed to have that ability to be able to uh, get a little bit of a read on when players were sort of approaching their use-by date and bring that next wave of talent in and constantly having that smooth transition. Yeah, ruthless at times, Fergie, but uh, fair play to him. Uh, you know, history will show that... Um, he succeeded because he had a trophy-laden career at Manchester United. And Jurgen Klopp has got to be ruthless. He brought in uh, Nunes uh, and Gakpo up front and hoped to take the pressure off the midfield, but it didn't work. The, the problems run deep in Liverpool's midfield at the moment with various players who are either perhaps over the hill or injury-prone. Uh, and uh, the chemistry is not right, so he's got to change it. Fergie had a great reputation. I remember famously sold... Mark Hughes, Paul Ince and Andre Kinchelskis one summer. And you're thinking, what's he doing? The three top players. But he decided that they weren't for him. And he replaced them and he went on to have even more success and eventually won the uh, the Champions League. I think the player that Fergie did indulge was Eric Cantona because he didn't quite fit the template. He was very much a maverick. Uh, and, and the people said that Cantona uh, didn't suit United's style in, in, in Europe. Um, and it was only after he went that United ended up winning the Champions League, but uh, he indulged him, I suppose, Alex Ferguson, really, Canton Art. He, 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 took, uh, he was allowed to, to get away with things that other players wouldn't get away with. Um, and, uh, you know, Fergie, a, a great uh, motivator, a great leader, uh, a, a man that a lot of other managers aspire to, and very few uh, managed to, to equal. Yeah, I just want to ask you that on Eric Cantona. What, you brought it up, but was Eric Cantona, to me, he almost was the catalyst for the floodgates opening, for the English clubs really looking at talent abroad, really starting to big spend big, big money, almost at the expense of local talent. And once Eric Cantona started establishing himself, we saw the likes of the Chelsea's and these other big clubs really, and Arsenal starting to go, right, hey, we need to pick up the French top of French players. We need to pick up top Spanish players and it's almost like since then it's it's you know let's be honest in most of the big clubs you've, you're lucky to have two or three English born players yeah I know and that's a criticism really that the academy systems in England and the young talent in England uh, suffer because of the uh, influx of, of foreign talent uh, but yeah uh, Canton R, I suppose was a symbol of of the uh, the foreign invasion, but I think that the floodgates had already opened by then. I think they were opened by Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa when they came to Tottenham in 1978. Was it? Um, I can't remember. Was it around about? I can't remember when it was. Was it just? Yeah, well, that, well, about well, then. Ozzie, the was, yeah, Mario Kempes and Ardiles 78, wasn't it? And then he was part of that great sort of Spurs, yeah. sort of in the 1980s, wasn't he? I mean, every time you thought of Tottenham Hotspur yeah. in the early 1980s, you thought of Ozzy Ardiles. And then, of course, Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. But, indeed. But I'll tell you, it was a trailblazer, only because I, uh, I uh, in my professional career, I, I sort of interviewed him and covered his progress. And, that, and don't laugh at this, but the Sam Allardyce was. Because what Sam Allardyce did, and we're going back 20 years now, at Bolton Wanderers, he put Bolton into the, into the European competitions and into the sort of top half dozen in the, the Premier League for a while. And they, they sort of really uh, were able to mix it with the very best. He went to the Africa 
Cup of Nations and play, sign players from Tunisia. And I know we got Yuri Djorkaev, who was a French player, a World Cup winner, etc. Uh, um, uh, Campo was it? Ivan Campo from Real Madrid. Uh, and but but he also turned to the African continent and he brought in a lot of players unknown at very cheap rates to play for Bolton. And and it, it really it, it was a, an innovation which other managers then followed. And obviously. Now, in this world that we live in, where players uh, readily just change between continents uh, quite easily, that um, uh, you know everybody's trying to emulate what what Allardyce did, and eventually, I think he got past his sell-by date in terms of a manager. I think other managers, you think of Joe Royal at Michael Manchester City, he got past his sell-by date in a way. Uh, even Mourinho has gone past his sell-by date. You know, the talk of him coming back to Chelsea for a, he'd like another crack at managing Chelsea which is quite absurd, really. He's just turned 60. That is no age. I should know that myself. But Mourinho's style and his coaching methods and his manual for coaching really is a bit dated in terms of, well, very dated in terms of what the English game offers. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's just changing. I've been uh, covering some matches in the Championship in the last couple of weeks for uh, the National Commercial Radio Station in England. I was at Wigan and Luton a week last Saturday. I went to Hull against Queen's Park Rangers last Saturday. I'm doing a real uh, classic on, on this Saturday at Hillsborough for Sheffield Wednesday against Plymouth. Top of the table clash. It's going to be a sellout. 30,000 will be in, in uh, South Yorkshire for that game. And there's a lot of young managers who are coming through. The reason I'm mentioning those is a lot of young managers coming through. The new breed who are all aspiring managers. All right, Colo Torre at Wigan's been sacked since I interviewed him a week last Saturday, but we've got Rob Edwards, who's the manager of Luton, who's a very aspiring young manager. Uh, at Hull on um, Saturday, I interviewed uh, Liam Rossini, the manager of Hull, whose father used to play in the English League. And the opposing manager was um, Neil Critchley, who was part of the Liverpool uh, coaching setup. And then Stephen Gerrard took him to Aston Villa as his number two. Gerrard got the push, and now Critchley has gone to Queen's Park Rangers to try and become a number one rather than a number two. So... There's a lot of managers, really, who are bubbling under, just mm. below the profile, and probably don't, you know, the names that would never get a look in in New Zealand, but because, like in England, everything's just completely dominated by this beast that is the Premier League that, that consumes us all, really, me included. But there's a lot of people playing football, watching football. You know, you think 30,000 are going to watch a league... Two, it's a third-tier game on Saturday. 30,000 people will fill Hillsborough to watch that match. It just shows the depth, really, and passion that there is for English football. Mm. Let's just talk about the EFL Cup because the second legs of the semi-finals. The first one is played tomorrow morning, New Zealand time. Newcastle United taking on Southampton. They go in with a one-goal uh, one to nil aggregate. I think everyone would love to see Newcastle go through. Probably should get the job done. On the other side of it, Manchester United... They have a 3 0 aggregate over Nottingham Forest. They're at home. So you can sort of see Manchester United a chance for some silverware. They should go through to the FL final. Yeah, they should. It should be a United uh, Newcastle final at the end of uh, February, which uh, would be uh, a mouth watering prospect, really. And I would have thought, to be honest with you, for the, for the Carabao Cup uh, organisers and sponsors, it's the dream final. Because we've got away from the Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal um, teams who've dominated it. And, and not really a good uh, advert, I don't think, for the English game, the same teams every season. 
get into the final. Um, and, and to get United, and it seems a bit odd to say United, newcomers to a cup final, but they are. It's, you know, six years since United were, were in the, the um, was it the Europa Cup and they won that. But uh, so, so they've, they've certainly uh, uh, overdue success. And as for Newcastle, well, you know, I wasn't even born the last time Newcastle won a trophy. So uh, we, we're talking a, an awful long time ago. And um, the, the, the Newcastle fans are absolutely bananas. They are balmy as anything. Uh, you probably saw the images of them at Southampton. And it's a bit sort of common sight, really. Of in the depths of the mid-English winter, you've got Geordie fans stood there without the tops on, waving the scarves uh, in the freezing cold. Uh, and they will make a party of it uh, when, if they go to Wembley and beat Southampton. I expect them to see off Southampton. I think Southampton have got problems of their own at the bottom end of the table. Um, still in the FA Cup as well, Southampton, aren't they? So uh, they've got that other fish to fry. But uh, and, and uh, I just don't think they've got the quality and the power. I think, to be honest with you, uh, that game, the next game coming up, uh, is going to be uh, to see... Uh, Newcastle rocking really with a full house and uh, the, the, the passionate Geordies is going to be quite an occasion and will be the final. The final will be brilliant if it's United in Newcastle. Just finally, because you're a Manchester City man, I need to talk about Manchester City. Got through the FA Cup fourth round, a third round, in fact, a fourth round, in fact, um, beating Arsenal 3 2 and an absolute cracker. You've drawn Bristol City in the fifth round. Any concerns there? Um. A tricky one, uh, but should do it. Uh, interesting the way that the draw's panning out because City have seen off Chelsea and Arsenal, um, and uh, you know one or two of Liverpool are out as well. So uh, teams like United, Manchester United, um, Manchester City, Tottenham, all fancy the chances. As will one or two of the others as well. The likes of Brighton, you know. And then going back to my point, really about having. Uh, new teams there in the cup. You know, it'd be nice to see somebody like Brighton and uh, doing well and, and getting to a cup final. I remember covering the game against City in the semi-final when they were quite unlucky a few years ago. But it's fantastic that Brighton are doing so well, mixing it with the best. Fulham well, as well, another team. You know, a Brighton-Fulham final, I would not have a problem with that. Well, I tell you, um, yeah, Liverpool fans would be hoping for a, a Bristol City-Brighton final. <laughs> well, yeah, um, uh, I, I just don't see Bristol City seeing off uh, Manchester City, to be honest with you, but uh, I'll take your point. Uh, hey, I mean, Wrexham's the other story hey, as well. Yeah, go on, go on. Yep. Wrexham's the other story, of course, with the two Hollywood owners. Um, you know, they're playing Sheffield United uh, in the replay, and there was a big song and dance about... Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, a big bit of a controversy, really, because Wrexham have ploughed all this money in. Uh, I think they made £10 million last season from just filming these Hollywood guys, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKelney, in in, uh, in and about Wrexham when they're coming over. He flew over from New York to watch them play Sheffield United in the, in the Cup on Sunday, and it was featured live on, on national television. Uh, and But, but Wrexham have... have, have are spending big on wages, they're going to go up into the football league from the national league, which is the fifth tier. Uh, and some people say, "Well, is it right? Is money talking again because they're plowing the money?" And then other people are saying, "Well, hang on a minute, this is doing wonders for uh, the town of Wrexham. It's putting Wrexham on the map in North Wales as a smallish town, uh, and uh, you know it's bringing spotlight and it's bringing. I mean, what, that's what football clubs do, I suppose, don't they? They do shine a light on communities, not just football clubs, but on communities." 
And, and look, it is all about money, and there's no point trying to pretend it's not. Forget all the history. Forget all the glory days. It's ultimately about money, and if you if you're slow on the uptake, well, you're going to continue to wallow in the mire, or you can be like Wrexham and be innovative and look for some different owners. And I just wonder whether we're going to see more Hollywood celebrities thinking, "Well, I've got a luxury boat. He's got a luxury boat. I've got a Lamborghini. He's got a Lamborghini. Hey, maybe I need a third, fourth, or fifth tier English football club. Why don't we go and grab one?" Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Andy Buckley, as always, thank you for taking your precious time and joining us here in New Zealand. Greatly appreciate it. Pleasure. Good to speak to you. Cheers, Mark.